Good evening, folks. It's great to be with you again tonight. We're coming, please, to the book of Genesis this evening in the chapter 50. The book of Genesis and the chapter 50. Again, it's great to be with you tonight. I thank the oversight for the invitation to come along this evening and indeed the next two Wednesday nights as well. And over these next few weeks, I want us to consider uh, some but God verses in the scriptures. That little phrase, but God, it appears many times throughout the word of God. And there often are great sources of encouragement for the child of God even today. And so we're coming to one of them this evening in Genesis chapter 50. We'll read together, please, from the verse 15 of the chapter. Genesis 50 and the verse 15. And the word of God says, When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall he say unto Joseph, Give, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. Amen. And we trust that the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts this evening. Joseph understood fairly early into his life that the God of the mountains was also the God of the valleys. He hadn't even reached 20 years of age before all his brothers had turned against him and sold him as a slave. He found himself 300 miles away from home and serving a foreign master. He spent over two years wrongfully in prison and he soon found himself in a seven years of famine. And yet here he is coming towards the end of his life and he's able to look back over all those things that he has experienced, over all those things that he has gone through. And he's still able to say, God meant it unto good. How wonderful it would be for us this evening. If we could look back over those discouragements, look back over those things that have caused us grief, those things that have hurt us, those things that have troubled us, and still say with Paul in Romans 8, and indeed with Joseph here in Genesis, that we know how all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. This doesn't come overnight. And this great declaration of Joseph here in the verse 20, how he knows that God meant all this unto good, this didn't come overnight. This wasn't a a fresh revelation that he had here as he says this. It's not something that he says off the cuff, something that he just thought of in his head as he's speaking to his brothers here. But this truth had been firmly planted in his heart and firmly planted in his life throughout the many things that he had experienced. And so as we consider this tonight, as we consider how Joseph was able to view all the evil that came against him and understand and appreciate that God meant it for good. How can we tonight bring ourselves to a similar position? It's difficult to do. It's hard to do. But the child of God can indeed know it to be true. And so we'll look at the life of Joseph this evening, see the troubles that he faced and what led him not only to the various points of discouragement that he faced, but right through to the end of his life here where he's able to see it all and say God meant it unto good. If we could turn for a few moments, please, to chapter 37 of the book of Genesis. We'll spend a few minutes here. We'll have a a few minutes in chapter 39, but other than that, I promise we'll not be 
turning to too many passages of scripture. We'll be staying here and appreciating the scenery before we rush off to, to anywhere else. Chapter 37, we have here really the, the introduction into Joseph's life in the word of God other than his, than his birth that's mentioned elsewhere. But as we look at Joseph's early years, we see, first of all, the plot of the enemy. We see the plot of the enemy here as uh, Satan tries to wreak havoc and cause mayhem in Joseph's life. We're made aware in these early verses of chapter 37, even in the verse 3, we're told Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colours. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So even in Joseph's early years, and he was 20 years old whenever he was taken away as a slave. He was 20 years old when he was sold as a slave, so it's fairly early on in Joseph's life, whenever the hatred of his brothers is already very well known to him. And those seeds of hatred are sown in his brother's heart. And the plot of the enemy begins here, early in Joseph's life, because division is a great part that the enemy played here in trying to wreck Joseph's life, in being such a a strong source of discouragement and a great sense of evil to him. His brothers hate him because of the favoritism his father showed to him rather than the others. We can imagine him there, Israel, he's, or Joseph is Israel's favorite son. He's the favorite son of his favorite wife, Rachel. He's one of only two children that are born to her. So Israel is going to view Joseph and indeed Benjamin as well. But Joseph particularly, he's going to view them with some sort of favoritism. And it seems that Israel doesn't try and hide that from the others because the other brothers are, are filled with jealousy. They're filled with envy and they're filled with hatred directed to Joseph. And they hate the favoritism that Israel shows to Joseph. They hate the bond and the closeness that the two of them share. But they also hate him because of his dreams. And we have those dreams listed as well in chapter 37. And Joseph tells his brothers the dreams about the sheaves and about the sun, the moon and the stars. But look at what it says in the verse 8. As Joseph tells his brothers the first dream, His brother said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. It wasn't enough for them to hate him for the the bond that he had with his father, but they hate him even more now because of these dreams that he has had. And he has told his brothers the dreams that he will have, that they will all one day bow down and worship him and bow down in reverence to him. And the brother's hatred just boils over. And they hate him even more. And you can imagine Joseph here. You can imagine the family here of Judah or the family of Jacob here. They know the role they will play in the purposes of God. Abraham would have told Isaac. Isaac would have told Jacob. And Jacob would in turn have told his sons about the, the role they had in the purposes of God. How God had promised them a land. He had promised them to be their God. How they would be his people. And they would be the people of God in the promised land. So they knew all about what God had in store for them. And here God is speaking to Joseph through these dreams. Joseph is being told what will happen in future days. And, and Joseph is excited about about this. He has such an enthusiasm about this revelation that he has had that night in the dream that God had given him. And he rushes to tell his brothers and he's maybe hoping they would share in that excitement. And he, he just can't wait to tell them what God has said to him. But they seem to hate him even more. And the envy grows rather than the excitement. 
that they have for him. And as Joseph just tries to share the, the, the things that bring him joy with his, with his brothers and with his family, they are such a, a cause of discouragement to him. And they try to bring him joy. And it was those that Joseph least expected that were the biggest cause of his hurt. So fairly early on in, into Joseph's life, the plot of the enemy is already being made clear. The hatred that the brothers have against him, that seed of division that's planted into the hearts of the brothers, those that Joseph least expected would in years to come be the greatest cause of his hurt. I wonder as our believer this evening, and in recent days it's been those that you least expected that's brought you down. Has there been someone close to you and they've let you down? Has there been someone, if you were to write a list of a hundred names that you would even think, would think about trying to cause you hurt, they'd be nowhere near it, but they've let you down. Know tonight and be comforted tonight that God knows all about it. And he cares about you as well. He knows all about it. David himself said in Psalm 27, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Believer, if someone close to you has let you down, if the person you least expected has been the cause of your greatest hurt, know the Lord will lift you up. And the Lord sustains you. And the Lord will keep his arms round about you. See division here as the plot of the enemy. See that division grows into discouragement then because as we've noted, the brothers hate Joseph all the more because of the dreams that they have given him. And from this point on, as we read throughout this chapter, we see that Joseph's brothers try to disrupt his obedience. They try to take away his joy. They try and disrupt those things that bring him the most fulfillment in life and try and take away those things that cause him the most joy. Whenever he, he tells the dream about the sun and the moon and the stars making reverence to him, of course the brothers try and, and tell the father about it first of all. So the father tries to view Joseph in a negative light. They try and break that bond that Joseph has with his father. How they hated that, that, that fellowship they had. They tried to disrupt that. They tried to disrupt Joseph's obedience and, and excitement and encouragement in the things of God. And they try and take away his joy. What a source of discouragement Joseph's brothers were to him in his early years. And as we think of Joseph here, he's an, he's an innocent victim throughout all of this. Even spiritually speaking, he's so innocent regarding the discouragement that comes to him. And as we look at Joseph here, just in this chapter alone, we'll see perhaps some similarities between the child of God this evening as to why those discouragements can come whenever we love the things of God. Because as you look at Joseph here, and, and whenever this discouragement comes to him, we see someone who's obedient to the word of God. Someone who loves the things of God. Someone where the word of God and the things of God bring him such excitement. And he has such a, a hunger and such a desire and a, and a yearning in his heart and in his soul for the things of God. Whenever he has those dreams, he can't wait to tell his brothers about them. He can't wait to tell his father and his mother as well about the dreams that God has given him. He has such a burden for the word of God. And as he shares it to those round about him, he gets hated even more. He faces such discouragement, even with this hunger he has for the things of God. And as he shares the word of God, the discouragement grows. And the more he shares it, as he shares it the second time, again, even in the verse 11, his, brother, his brethren envied him. How they hate him even more just because he loves the things of God. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 about 
that contention that comes between the power and the light of the word of God and the darkness of this world. He said to Nicodemus, light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so, believer, as we bring that gospel into the world, as we share the word of God with the world, with all the yearning that we have, with all the willingness that we have, with all the heart of obedience that we have to share the word of God, it should be no surprise whenever discouragement comes. And the more we share it, and the more fervently we share it, the more faithfully we share it, the more that discouragement will come. The more hostile that discouragement will be. We see it here in Joseph, someone who's so over or so encouraged in the things of God, so encouraged in the word of God. And the discouragement grows as his own encouragement grows in the things of God. Someone who's obedient to the word of God. And as we look at Joseph here and we see whenever this first great disaster comes upon him, he's doing something very peculiar. In the verse 13, it says, Israel, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. On this particular day, Israel asked Joseph to go and see how his brothers were getting on. They were feeding the flocks in Shechem. Whether they were in somewhere different that day, maybe somewhere more dangerous than they normally were. And, and Israel wanted to know how they were getting on. If they were safe, maybe he hadn't heard from them in a while. And he sends Joseph to find out how they're getting on. And Joseph's more than willing to do this thing. Israel could have sent a servant on this message. But Joseph is more than willing. He says, here am I, and he's ready to go to do whatever it is his father wants him to do. I want us to think of that this evening from a spiritual perspective as well. As we think of those sources of discouragement, or when discouragement comes, someone who's obedient and has a great enjoyment in the word of God, and here Joseph, or in Joseph, we see somebody who's obedient to the will of his father as well. Someone who's just eager to do anything his father asks him to do. Whenever our hearts are on fire, as we say, for the work of God, whenever we want to do some great thing for the Lord, whenever we sense the Lord calling us to do some particular thing for him, and we're eager to do it, we're willing to do it, it's whenever we're in the middle of it that a great discouragement can come. As it does here With Joseph, all he wants to do is make sure that his brothers are doing well. And it's that particular day that his brothers decide to sell him off as a slave to the Egyptians. Now as Joseph yearns for things that are different to the things of his brothers, that discouragement and that contention again will only grow. And that's what Jesus told his disciples would happen before he went to Gethsemane at that last supper in John chapter 15. He warned the disciples and he tells them, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And so those discouragements will come. And it will come, and they will come particularly to those who are obsessed with the things of God. Those discouragements will come to those who, as we would say again, similarly to Joseph, were right in the middle of the will of God. Joseph was doing exactly what, he want, what his father wanted him to do. And it's in the middle of all of that that he sold off. And this plot of the enemy grows deeper. See how division is there. See how discouragement is there. Look at how they wanted to leave him in despair. 
after this, whenever the brothers see him in the verse 18 of chapter 37, it says, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And we just see how dark the hearts of the brothers are here. Earlier on in the chapter, it was just a case, well, compared to this, it was just a case of them not having a nice word to say about him. The very sight of him, the very mention of his name was enough to boil hatred inside them. Here they see him and they want to kill him. That seed of division has grown so much. Those seeds of discouragement have grown so much that now they just want to get rid of him. They don't want to see him again. They don't want to hear of him again. Such is the hostility they have to him. And so they have put together this orchestrated plan before he even uh, arrives and they, they plan to just throw him into the pit, leave him there and go and tell his father that some beast has ate him up. That some beast has tore him apart and there was nothing really they could do. They just stood back. They planned, maybe, maybe they were going to say, oh, we planned to help, we were just so far away, whatever the case was, what other ideas they had to try and, and cover up of this great evil that they were about to do. But we just see how dark the hearts of, of Joseph's brothers are here. How dark and, and dangerous this plot of the enemy is against Joseph. But it's in the verse 18. It's, it's while they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, that they conspired against him to slay him. Even to bring it back about Joseph being obedient to the will of God. Here Joseph was on his way to do what his father had asked him to do. The job wasn't done. It says he was still a great way off from the job being done, but he was on that path. And it's while he's afar off from doing the job that this plot of the enemy comes to play. I wonder this evening, believer, has God asked you to do something in perhaps the months and years to come? Has God called you to something that, from our perspective, is still a great way off? And the enemy's doing whatever he can to hinder that work. Is the devil trying to hold you back from what God's been calling you to do in years to come? I was around 18 whenever the Lord had started calling me into his work. I didn't go to college after that for another two or three years. And the Lord had his timing and the Lord had his reasons. But it was whenever the Lord had started calling me at that age of 18 that the devil tried to have a field day. That the devil did whatever he could to disrupt those future plans of the Lord. And I was found myself in such a valley I never thought I'd get out of that. How those things that the Lord wants us to do can often be a great way off even then whenever the enemy comes and tries to hold them and tries to disrupt them so much. And that's why Paul reminds the believers in Corinthians to be aware of what Satan can do even in the lives of believers. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. How Satan is cunning. He's still that same Enemy that was as subtle as any other beast in the field in Genesis chapter 3. That's why Peter reminds us to be sober and to be vigilant. Because the devil will do whatever he can to disrupt the plans and the will and the purposes of God in the lives of believers. And so Joseph finds himself in this particular circumstance where he, he isn't killed, thankfully, 
Reuben is the one that tries to spare his life and eventually he's sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. Eventually he finds himself in the house of Potiphar. And now this, this, this Old Testament child of God, as we would call him, once the favoured son, once in that favoured coat, is now in foreign chains. And he's far away from the promises of God. He's far away from the purposes of God. He's as far away as Joseph could think he could possibly be from what God had intended for him. And as he starts out this journey, and as we read of Joseph here at the end of chapter 37, from the first time we read it, we think, is there any coming back from this? Does Joseph manage to turn this around, or do things manage to turn around for Joseph? He's, such a, he's in such a hopeless situation. He's in such a helpless situation. And from the beginning of this chapter 37, a young believer, a young man who's filled with enjoyment in the things of God, here he's now a slave in Egypt. How Joseph knew in such a very personal way those times when the enemy can come in like a flood. And maybe believer in recent seasons, the enemy's just come in like a flood. Yes, you've known troubles and trials before, on perhaps a more sporadic way, but the enemy's just doing whatever he can at this moment in time. Is he trying to take everything? Remember, whenever the devil tried to take down Job, it all happened to him in a day. One messenger hadn't even finished his message before another servant came and told him of how something else had happened to him. See the plot of the enemy, how it starts relatively small, but he'll do whatever he can to disrupt and discourage the child of God. See the the plot of the enemy. But even with all of this, we see the perseverance of Joseph. Come with me, please, to chapter 39. We'll spend a few moments here because this is whenever we next read about Joseph. We see his perseverance, even with the plot of the enemy being harsh against him. We see Joseph being determined to stay faithful to the Lord and how greatly commended he is to be for his faithfulness and for his perseverance even in these challenging days he finds himself in because in verse 1 of chapter 39 we're made aware that he's brought down to Egypt Potiphar one of Pharaoh's officers captain of the guard an Egyptian buys him off the Ishmaelites and then in the verse 2 it says the Lord was with him he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Eventually he becomes pretty much Potiphar's second-hand man. It says that Potiphar didn't know anything he had except Joseph told him about it. And such respect Potiphar has for Joseph and such, such respect and honor and trust Potiphar has in Joseph here that he's able to persevere. He's able to keep on doing whatever it is he can possibly do in those circumstances. See the favor that he has here as we think of his perseverance. Because first of all, we're made aware he has the favor of God. In the verse 2, even though he's far away from his house, even though he's far away from where God had perhaps promised him he would be, still it says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. God didn't leave him that day when he was in the pit and suddenly be with him again as he's in Potiphar's court and things are starting to turn out well for him again, but he was always with him. Every step he took from that moment that he was lifted out of the pit and took and traped across the desert and now finds himself in Egypt, God was with him every step. The Lord had never left him or forsook him. The Lord had never abandoned him. God was with him 
every step of that journey, and the Lord was still with them as he's here in Potiphar's court. Whenever Stephen was, was telling this, uh, the giving the history of the people of Israel in Acts chapter 7, it says the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions, gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The Lord was with him. Even whenever it looked like he wasn't, even whenever it looked like he was far away from the blessing of God, far away from the presence of God, the Lord was still there. Child of God, this evening, it may not feel like it. It may not look like it. But know the Lord is still there. Know that he's still there. Don't doubt his presence this evening. Again, he may feel afar off, but even in those moments, we can still draw near to him. Remember one of old that said, even when we cannot see God's hand, we can still trust his heart. And even when we cannot hear his name, we can still remember his nature. Do you know this evening, will you remember, whenever those times of trouble come, that the Lord is still there, and not to bless? They see the favor that God gives him. We see the favor as well that Potiphar gives him. And he gets this favor from Potiphar because the Lord is with him. The Lord made him a prosperous man here in the sight of Potiphar. And he shines in Potiphar's light because he knows the blessing of God upon him. He knows that even in these difficult circumstances, the Lord is with him. And because that's the case, he's able to have his eyes fixed on those things above. He's able to have his eyes fixed on the Lord and move on. He's not going to be dragged down into having or be filled with such pity and filled with such despondency, but he's able to trust in the Lord and he's able to move on. Again, that great statement he made in chapter 50, but God meant it for good. This is where he knows it here as well. He knows that as he finds himself in Potiphar's court, that even though his brothers meant it for evil, God meant it here for good. He knew that God was still fulfilling his purposes, even if it was in a way he couldn't understand. Even if it was in a way Joseph never would have imagined God would work. Even if it was in a way that Joseph never thought God would fulfill his purposes, he knew that the Lord knew better than him. And as he knows here the Lord is with Joseph, as he knows that the Lord is with him, he has that comfort. And all he can do here is rest on the Lord and trust in in God to sustain him. And that's what he does here even in Potiphar's house. And because he trusts in the Lord here, because he knows the help of God, because he knows the blessings of God, even though he's burning, he is still able to flourish. He's still able to do whatever God has wanted him to do. Again, child of God, this evening, it's hard to be encouraged. It's hard to find any sense of joy in spiritual things whenever the devil's doing what he can, to, whenever he, whatever he can to take away that joy. Think of the, those that were taken away to Babylon, those that were taken captive. And those psalms of lament that were written by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and they wept when they remembered Zion, how they'd hung their harps on the branches of the willow trees, how those that were round about them mocked them to sing the songs of Zion. Remember how they felt in that psalm, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It's hard, I know, for a child of God to sing those great hymns of praise and joy whenever we find ourselves in a foreign land, when we find ourselves far away from what we imagined God would have us to do or where God would have us to be. But here... 
Joseph has his eyes fixed on the Lord and he knows that the Lord is with him. He knows that even here God will work it for his good. And because he has this dependency on the Lord, we see his faithfulness here as well as we think of his perseverance, see his faithfulness here. Because in chapter 39 we have that encounter between himself and Potiphar's wife. And as Joseph finds himself in this predicament, it was a very good opportunity from the old nature's perspective, from that old sinful nature's perspective, it was a good opportunity for Joseph to use his circumstances as an excuse to sin. Joseph could have turned around or thought to himself, well, God mustn't be here. God's forsaken me. God has left me. There's no point trying to be faithful. I may as well just do whatever I want. No, even though he's still far away from where he wanted to be and far away from where he thought he would be, he still demonstrates such a strong faithfulness to his God. And he refuses the pleasures of the world for his faithfulness. Look at what he says in the verse 9. After Potiphar's wife comes to him, he says to her in the verse 9, There's none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He knew God was still there. And he knew that even though he found himself in such a season of trouble and such a season of discouragement, he still had to be faithful to the Lord. He knew he still had to be holy as he is holy. He knew Even though it wasn't said to him, it was said many years later, he knew that them that honour me, I will honour. He knew he still had to be faithful to his Lord. Regarding service, yes, and the things that he did for Potiphar, but he had to be faithful regarding sin as well and avoiding those things that God would want him not to do. And even though he is faithful, again he finds himself going through more discouragement. Remember back in the times of his brothers, it was whenever he was enjoying the things of God, enjoying the word of God, that he felt he found the discouragement. And he was enjoying the things of God that he was sold off as a slave. Here again in Potiphar's courts, as he's being faithful to the Lord, he faces more discouragement. And he's thrown into prison for two years. And even in his faithfulness, he shows faultlessness as well. And he still obeys the Lord. He still has his eyes fixed on the Lord, and he's doing these things not to try and earn restoration. He's not being faithful to God, hoping that maybe God would turn his circumstances around. He's not going to use his faithfulness as some sort of bargaining, bargaining, uh, bargaining tool to the Lord to try and ask God to turn his circumstances around. He's not saying to the Lord, look how faithful I've been here in rejecting sin with Potiphar's wife. Maybe now you can sort something out and bring me back to the land. He's being faithful solely out of a love for the Lord. How Joseph's motive, motivations were clear here as he lives for the Lord. Solomon says in Proverbs 16, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits, or the Lord knows the motive. It's a challenge to our hearts this evening, preacher included. What's your motive for being faithful to the Lord? Even in those times of difficulty, in those seasons of trouble, are you being faithful to him because of a love you have for him? Or is there... A motivation there, however small it may be. Is there a motivation just to be faithful, hoping God will see 
your faithfulness and change the circumstances around. Is there a love for the Lord there? An all-encompassing love for the Lord. That's all Joseph had in his heart. And again, it's that alone that drove him to say in chapter 50, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. See how all throughout Joseph's life here, he only thought about the Lord. And he only thought about the Lord's name. He thought about the Lord's glory. And about how his Lord would view him and how the Lord would be viewed through him as well. Well, there's many trials and troubles Joseph went through, but at the end of it all, he was able to say, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. We've seen the plot of the enemy. We've seen the perseverance of Joseph. And as we think of all these things that Joseph has went through, we see, lastly tonight, we see the purposes of God being displayed through every step of Joseph's life. How God protected Joseph here, even in Potiphar's court, even in Potiphar's prison, even as he's standing beside Pharaoh, even in those seven years of famine, God protected him. And because of that, Joseph was able to say, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Joseph didn't know he'd survive when he was thrown into that pit. Joseph wasn't given the book of Genesis and was told what would happen to him. Every step he took was in complete dependence and faith and trust in the Lord. And every step he took, he was able to look back and say, God protected me. And God sustained me. God never forsook him. God never left him. But he knew in such a personal way the promises and the protection of God. You often hear believers go through great seasons of trouble, great seasons of difficulty. And how they testify, they've come out the other side knowing a, a different side of God that they'd never known before. How God has revealed himself to those dear saints in such a precious way. In the most darkest of nights, in the most hardest of times, it's then that we often get a fresh appreciation and a fresh sense of the Lord. We see him in a way that we had never known before. We see him in a way that we never would have known had it not been for those times of trouble. Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph knew God protected him. Joseph knew that each step, that not only did God protect him, but God prepared him for each step that he took, for each scene that he found himself in. Every step that he took from the pit to Potiphar, to the prison, to Pharaoh, God was preparing him for the next step. And even though those things people meant for evil, God meant those things unto good. And as we think of Joseph's life here, and as we think of God preparing him for each step that he would take, aren't we glad tonight that we come to a God who isn't picking up the pieces as time moves along? We have a God tonight that knows the end from the beginning. And when it comes to those trials that we go through, God's not picking up the mess as it goes along. He's not hoping to make something good out of the end of it. He knows what he will make good out of the end of it. He knows what that next step we take will be. He knows what is around that next corner. 
We can think of Joseph, we can think of Job, we can think of of many others who went through trial after trial and difficulty after difficulty, but knowing in the end and knowing even through it all that God was still there and God still knew the end from the beginning. Job was able to say in the midst of it all, he doeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. He was able to say in chapter 23 in the verse 10, he knoweth the way that I take. And believer this evening, he knows the way that I take. He doesn't just know where you are, but he knows where he's taking you. Will you keep trusting him? Will you keep your eyes fixed on him? Even though the world may mean those things for evil against us, even though the devil may mean those things for evil, will you trust that God is working them for good? Will you believe that God means them for good? See God protected Joseph. See God prepared Joseph. See the providence of God here as well as we think of his purposes as, as Joseph looks back over his life as he thinks of those difficulties and says ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto good it's because God knew the end from the beginning it's because God knew what was going to happen to Joseph throughout his journey towards the end of his life here it's because God knew what would happen that he permitted those things to happen to prepare the way as we think of all those things Joseph went through We see how the providence of God was in each part of it. Even in each of those difficulties. If he wasn't thrown in the pit, he wouldn't have been sold as a slave. If he wasn't sold as a slave, he never would have ended up in Potiphar's court. If he never ended up in Potiphar's court, he never would have ended up in the prison. If he had never ended up in the prison, he never would have met the butler and the baker who would soon tell Pharaoh that there was a man there who could interpret dreams. If it hadn't been for him being in the prison, he never would have met Pharaoh. If he had never have been in Pharaoh's court, he wouldn't have been able to prepare for the seven years of the famine that not just engulfed the land of Egypt, but the land right around it as well, including the land of, the land of Canaan, where Joseph's family were. And if he wasn't able to prepare for those seven years of famine, that whole area would have starved and would have died. And that would, not, would, it, would have not only meant the end of Joseph, not only meant the end of Joseph's family, but the end of the messianic line. See how the devil did whatever he could to stop the messianic line, to stop that promise that Christ gave to Abraham that through him all families of the earth would be blessed, that through him would come this promised Messiah in a famine that just goes down in history as any other famine. Was Satan at work? trying to stop the Saviour from being born according to the promises of God. And yet through all of those things, the Lord was using Joseph to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And that's why the psalmist is able to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This was a chance for Satan to thwart the work of salvation. Many, many years before Christ would be born. But God delivered them. God showed his providence even here. Lastly tonight, think of the power that God displays here as well. Even though the world meant evil against Joseph. Even though his brothers did whatever they could to get rid of him. And whenever they, they chained him up to those camels and, and tracked him across the desert, they thought that was the last they'd see of him. Joseph at times may have thought that was the last he'd see of them. 
as he's cast into prison on false charges, as he finds himself in seven years of famine, how none of those things could thwart the purposes of God. See how our God is greater tonight. See what John means in his epistle when he reminds us and encourages us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've mentioned Job several times this evening. Whenever God finished speaking with Job towards the end of that book, Job says, I know, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee or that no plan or purpose of yours can be stopped. Satan can rage and he can wreck all he tries. But God still comes out and knows the victory. God's power will still be displayed. Think of the hymn writer that said, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much, ye so much dread are rich with mercy and shall break with blessing on thy head. His purposes shall ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Will you keep trusting in his power, believer? Even in those moments of difficulty, even though the world may mean evil against you, even though the enemy may mean evil against you, that God is still working all things for his good. We can't think of this statement that Joseph makes in the verse 20 without thinking of how this was also true of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he came into this earth to be our saviour, hell did everything it could to stop him from getting to Calvary. He was only two years old whenever Satan put it in the heart of Herod to try and wipe him out. He had only been baptised 40 days before Satan tried to tempt him to sin and to take away his righteousness to take away his credibility and his qualifications of being that promised Messiah and being that perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Think of when they tried to throw him over a cliff and he he managed to walk through. How he managed to, to make himself invisible from their sight and to spur himself for that day in which he would be crucified. Held it whatever it could to keep him from Calvary. And even whenever he was kneeled there, hell did whatever they could to take him down from the cross. How they mocked him. How they laughed at him. How they were trying to tempt him to call that great legion of 10,000 angels to help him down. But still he stayed kneeled to that cross. See how they tried to keep him in the tomb as they sealed it shut and set guard over it to make sure that he wouldn't rise from the dead. Oh, what the world meant for evil. God meant it unto good. As we see Christ crucified, as the world would argue, just an innocent man caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, that the world may have thought evil against him, but God meant it unto good, for the same reason he meant good unto Joseph, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Oh, the world meant it for evil when they crucified the, the Saviour. But God meant it for your good and for my good. He meant it for our so great salvation. Believer, will you trust him? Whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, will you have your eyes fixed on him? And say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. But you know the end from the beginning. 
that even though the evil may be great, that God's goodness and his power are greater still. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. First dear name's sake. Amen.